Who am I? Well, I'm the princess of the Puget Sound. The Tacoma Tent. And voted Spanway's most talented drag queen on 152nd and Pacific Avenue. Lavender Life. And you are listening to Lifelines with me, Lavender Life. I want everyone to listen. But some, if not most episodes, might be considered inappropriate for folks under legal voting and drinking age. So, if you're underage and you're listening, I'm telling your mama. Now, why would you listen to my random little show here on Beyonce's Internet? Who knows? Me. I knows. We're going to talk about things that you, the people, think matter. And things that you think don't matter. In the larger scheme of schemes. Music, politics, movies, the weather, history, history, money, lack of money, your problems, my problems, our problems. Now I personally can't guarantee you'll learn anything. But I can't guarantee that it will be interesting. Or moderately interesting. At the least, mildly interesting. Background noise to get you through life and traffic. So here is a quick outline of how the show is going to go. All right. What we're going to do is we'll start off first with Ask Lavinda, where you can ask me any question about any topic advice, comments on the show, and just random things. Um, Next, we got things that bug me, issues I'm currently having with the world, or just from day to day. We'll also have interviews. I'm going to interview queer and people of color that have interesting or seemingly controversial jobs, hobbies, or lives. We're going to have an Ask Wayne segment where you can ask Wayne any questions you may have about hair care or businessing things. I don't I don't know much about business. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just a mouthpiece. Wayne's the brains, or at least that's what I tell him so that he'll leave me alone and let me sleep. <laughs> um, upcoming events and appearances, I'll let you know where you can find me next, where you can see me next, where you can hear me next, where you can be near me next. And then ask the listeners. We're going to ask you any ideas that you may have for the show. You know, the idea for the show, like our lives, is to evolve after a season or so. To accomplish that, I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your ideas so that I can take your ideas and use them as my ideas or as a guide map to keep you all interested so you keep listening to me. Will you listen if I talk about the things you want to hear about? Or should I just keep talking about things that I want to talk about? Maybe we'll do a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. So, let's get this thing started. Hello, everybody, and thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today to Lifelines with me, Lavenda Life. 
I'm your host, Lavenda Life, voted most popular drag queen on 152nd and Pacific Avenue in Tacoma. And today, we are going to start off with Ask Lavenda. So first question that we have on the docket is... This is not the first time that I'm reading these questions, but it is the first time that I'm giving them any actual thought. Um, yeah, so let's get started. All right. Lavenda, what is truly the best fast food restaurant? What is truly the best fast food restaurant? Now, I've got to tell you, I am fat, okay? I'm the fattest fat that ever fatted. And I want to let you know that being fat is not a size or a shape. It's a state of mind. And I'm the fattest. <laughs> so if you want to know about food, you got to, I need some, I need some like specifics here. Okay. Okay. Cause I can't just tell you the best fast food restaurant. Okay. I need to, I need to know what kind of food do you want? Like, do you want salad stuff? Do you want like pizza? Do you want burgers? You want fries? I mean, there's a wide variety of different fast fooderies. There are, there are fast food places that just, um, serve chicken. There are fast food places that are vegan. Uh, there are fast food places that um, just do uh, potato thingies. Now, I need to know what you, like, like, what do you want? What exactly do you want? So, like, let's see, uh, burgers. Best fast food place, burger-wise. Uh, it really depends on what you want. Because... Uh, if we're talking about basic fast food places like the McDonald's, the Jack in the Boxes, the Burger Kings, uh, the Five Guys, like, they each have something completely different that I like from each place. You know, a Burger King burger tastes like a real burger. You know, it's got that, that grill taste. It's more than likely just liquid smoke. <laughs> McDonald's, that's a specific kind of burger taste. Like, you're not going to go to any other place and get a burger that tastes like a McDonald's burger, really. And the burger from McDonald's is probably the only burger that you can chew if you have a toothache. And it won't bother you. For whatever reason, they are ridiculously soft. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. But it that's what they do. That's what they do. Jack in the Box, I would not suggest their burger patties. Their burger patties are very dry. But Jack in the Box lets you customize your burgers like no other. Like, you have wanted a fried egg on your burger at a fast food restaurant? Go to Jack in the Box, baby. Go to Jack in the Box, okay? You ever wanted some, like, shredded cheese on some, on some uh, french fries? Go to Jack in the Box, okay? Wendy's burgers are, are extra greasy, so it feels as though they just made them. I love their buns. Their buns have, like, a, t a potato bun taste to them. Mwah! But yeah, it really just depends on, on what you want. For me, like if you go to, if, if I want a salad, which is very, very seldom because like, fuck a salad. Um, but then when I eat a salad, I'm like, oh my gosh, why don't I eat salads? It's so good. But that's because I customize my salad. I customize everything that I eat. Well, just about everything that I eat. My friends always talk about me, about the way that I customize my food. But if I'm paying for it, make it the way I want it. Okay? Make it the way I want it. And I want it this way. But I myself love mod pizza for salads or for like just customizable like foodstuffs. Uh, their salads 
oh my gosh they're ridiculously good and you can put in all the different stuffs that you want and make sure that you don't, you don't got the things you don't want i love olive garden salad dressing um panera bread fuck them in their overly expensive sandwiches yeah really fuck them like I, I don't think that I've ever had anything from Panera Bread that I'm like, oh man, I gotta come back here and go to Panera Bread. But yeah, it really just depends on like what kind of food you're looking for, like specifically. Like if you're looking for a, a certain genre of food, if you're looking for like Asian food, if you're looking for uh, Latinx food, if you're looking for quote unquote American, all American foods, you know, you gotta let me know. I need specifics, baby. I need specifics. <laughs> Also, check out regular sit-down places Yelp reviews, because these places be having roaches and you don't even know. And we are back. Jail! That's what we're talking about today. Incarceration and living with HIV and AIDS. Today we've got with us... Alex Barnes. Thank you, Alex, for coming in today. Alex, what are your pronouns? He, him, his. Okay, dokey, smokey. He, him, his. We will make sure that we are respecting people's pronouns. Because if we don't respect people's pronouns, we're assholes. You can say that again, Lavinda. We're assholes. <laughs> All right. So, how would you describe yourself and what do you do Ooh. specifically? Specifically, yes, that's the easy part. Okay, well, I am a social worker mm-hmm. um, that works specifically with people living with HIV who have been impacted by incarceration. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. It is much needed. It's much needed. Can you please tell us the difference between HIV and AIDS? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I view it through more of like a political lens. Back in the day, we had. HIV and AIDS have like a big difference. Like I remember when I was in my wee tiny sex ed class where they were like, here's what HIV and AIDS are. (laughs) And it was always like, HIV is what you get first and then AIDS happens 10 years after, it just sneaks up on you. Oh my. And what we know now is like, that's not really the case. Um, (laughs) Like at all. And so a lot of the folks that I work with, those diagnoses weigh really heavily. So the way that I kind of break that down is when I ask somebody, what is your HIV status? They might say I'm HIV positive, or they might say I have AIDS, or they're like, I don't know if I've had AIDS. How do I know? And I explain that by saying like, at one point in time, uh, all that means for an AIDS diagnosis is that your uh, white blood cell count was under 200 and you had an opportunistic infection of some sort. Mm. So like a really severe case of pneumonia or things like that. So these days we're, we're seeing more of a shift to just saying HIV because that's what the virus is, is HIV. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. So I just want to make sure that I'm getting this right. So what you're saying is that it's not like you get HIV and then you go out to the store and pick up more HIV and then it turns into AIDS because like CO2 is carbon and two oxygen. So it's not carbon and two HIVs. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So it's not H2O. It's not H2O. Clear. No. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So when someone says that they're positive, but they're undetectable, what does that mean? 
that means that um, they are unable to transmit HIV. Okay. Um, and so what undetectable means is when someone goes in to get their labs done, they look for how many copies of HIV are in your blood. Mm -hmm. And those test results come out and they give you a number. In the US, it's typical for somebody when they get their lab results to come back to say like, the HIV copies in your blood is less than 20 or less than 40, which means the virus is so low in your bloodstream that the test actually can't even detect it, which leads to the term undetectable. Mm -hmm. And something that's kind of interesting is this, the undetectable equals untransmissible comes from a plethora of studies that came over the last few decades um, of HIV work. It shows and backs up that like you cannot transmit HIV if you're undetectable. Sometimes, you know, folks might get a, a small blip in there and their viral load throughout the course of, of living with HIV and some folks that are like oh shoot my I just got my labs back and it says I have a hundred copies mm. but the the good news is when we talk about undetectable equals untransmissible on a universal scale it's anything 200 copies or less is considered undetectable okay yeah so there's a lot of leeway <laughs> good well thank you for explaining that because I think a lot of people either they understand it but they don't like understand it understand it um and for some people you know uh more scientific explanations do help while for some people it's just like just tell me what what is it does it mean mm -hmm. what does it mean yeah so what were you about to say oh you weren't about to say nothing oh no i mean I okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no i was getting, like that's a really good point because like i mean most folks have to hear something like seven or eight times before yeah. like and by from different sources before mm -hmm. it like really sinks in when we really started using those terms undetectable equals untransmissible i remember people be like you know except when you know like there's always like the, you know it's very minimal and like so many doctors and like so many people came out and they were like no if you are undetectable you cannot transmit HIV. That is 100% scientific. <laughs> okay, that is great. We'll make sure that we tell everyone on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, with the access that we have uh, to information today, uh, do you think that there's still a stigma against uh, people with HIV? Oh my god, yes. So much so. Can you explain how that stigma might be experienced? Yeah, I'm trying to pull up like a an example that I can share. That like Grinder, when people are like, oh, I'm oh HIV God. positive and undetectable, and the people are still like, oh no. Dude, yeah, that absolutely comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. um, or, like, some people will just get the, like, freaking hate crime messages being like, oh, how the dare you be on here? Yeah. Like, you know, those kind of, like, disgusting things. And it's like, people are vulnerable out there, and, like, how dare you, like, come at somebody like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other thing that just drives me up a wall is when people say, um, I'm disease or drug free, I'm DDF. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, like let's let's really like dive into this and what yeah. that really means. Um, or when people use clean, mm -hmm. like, oh no. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's inappropriate. Totes and approach. Totes and Because, approach. I mean, we've all had some sort of STD at some point. And, like, after you've had an STD, you are changed forever. <laughs> you, you see things that you never saw before. You are a lot more observant in your in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, and Come it's, on. like, just reinforcing that whole, like, stereotype, that stigma that people living with HIV or anybody that has an STI is dirty. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, no. I shower every morning, come on! Exactly, and even exactly. if I don't, that's kinky. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on the other side of that, if somebody was um, 
concerned about possibly uh, protecting themselves from HIV and STDs mm-hmm. and STIs. How would they go about doing that? Yeah, um, I think the way that I like to approach that is kind of like what kind of activities are folks like wanting to do or already engaging in, and how can we make that a little bit safer or just like folks be more informed of like what those risks might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. Um, really like the opportunities for uh, routine testing, mm-hmm. which I never really understood, if I was completely honest. Like, I remember when um, being a young little queer and going all the way up to Gay City to go get my <laughs> my um, all of my labs done and everything like that, and um, being like, why is why is like routine testing like part of prevention? Like how does that really prevent me from like getting sick? And I was like, oh, actually it just, it's a huge public health thing. Cause if like, I don't know that I have something um, and I'm not getting tested, like I could expose other folks to that. Right. Um, so that's, um, so even if I didn't want to change my like sexual behavior, like I can know early in advance that yeah. like I have an exposure to something and I could potentially like, and then I can inform my partners and protect yeah, them. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I think, I know there's, like, a, um, there's some pretty good options for, like, specific testing purposes. Like, I know, um, PCAF does, like, HIV testing and has, um, some limited, um, other testing options for folks as well for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know, like, the health department also does... Yeah, that's tests. where I go and get my testing done. Oh, great. What's yeah. that like? Um... It's good. I mean, but prior to uh, recently, because they just changed a lot of their um, their practices, uh, they were doing like uh, free HIV STD testing, um, and then uh, they just changed it, I believe, to like a sliding scale, mm-hmm. or it's like sixty five dollars a test or something. Ooh. Yeah, I know it was rough. I was like, hey, 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 what you talking? What you talking? I just. I'll just go ahead and not not do six, which I, I didn't. So, but I mean, I still got I still got tested because even though you may see me looking glamorous with wigs and, and lipsticks and and uh, in the shades, I am a broke broke queen. I get most of my lipstick off of OfferUp. <laughs> These shades I found in a crack den. Okay, so. But yeah, I mean, getting tested uh, there is very, very um, good. The people who, who are doing the testing are very knowledgeable. They're also um, really easy to talk to. Also, let us preface uh, the rest of this interview and things that we have said prior to the, this point that um, while we have a lot of knowledge about the subjects to which we are talking about, we are not the end-all, be-all on these subjects. So please do your research and not do your research as in like, you know, oh, I went on to Facebook and Facebook told me everything I needed to know. I mean, do like actual research, speak to doctors, um, talk to your doctor. If you, you know, you want to talk to somebody specifically that you trusted. Um, there's a lot of misinformation going around and this show will not be a part of that. It will not. Unless you are listening for information about my life, and I will lie to you all the time. Except I am broke. So that was the truth. Back to the interview. (laughs) (laughs) What are some hurdles that people with HIV and AIDS experience? Yeah, I think uh, the folks that I work with kind of run the gamut of lots of different barriers as far as it comes to, like, just having, like, basic dignity met. I mean, can I curse? 
Yes, you can curse. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went to public school. Okay. Yes! And I hope that the people listening also went to public school. I would fucking hope so. Yes. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, a, at the beginning of the episode, there's a, um, a, a, a warning about, you know, the, the, the topics that we may be talking about, uh, on this show. Hopefully the people who are listening, um, they, they, it might not be considered acceptable for people who cannot legally smoke. Or uh, <laughs> legally drive, or legally buy alcohol. So, okay. Hopefully, your parents, if you are under those ages, are okay with you listening to this. And if they're not, I'm telling. I'm kidding. I'm not telling. I'm like your cool aunt, you know, who tells you about how much fun your mom used to be. You know, good times. <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying. What were we saying? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we were saying. <laughs> um, oh, the yeah, hurdles. the hurdles. Yeah, tell me yes. about some of the hurdles that people with HIV and AIDS might might experience. Yeah, I mean, like, I think what's I see the most that's coming up right now for people that I work with personally, fucking housing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, shit. It took me two years to find a place to move into, and then you know, I have folks that are in similar boats where it's like. You know, my landlord just raised up the rent $500 and now I'm out on the street and I have nowhere to go. So that's been, like, ridiculous. There needs to be a lot more movement for, like, housing justice um, to really support people living with HIV and, like, honestly, all of us that don't have, like, a millionaire. (laughs) Like, seriously, everybody's rent is getting raised and the cost of living doesn't um, represent the amount that people are being paid, so... Literally that. Yeah. I've heard many arguments from people about, oh, well, if we raise the minimum wage, then everything's going to get more expensive. Life is already getting more expensive, and we're not being able to afford it because, you know, uh, we can't. That's really really what it just comes down to. We can't. Mm -hmm. And all these jobs that people consider menial jobs or, like, quote-unquote, kid jobs Mm -hmm. or whatnot are jobs that are necessary to like the movement of society you see videos of people losing their losing their shit all the time because oh what do you mean you're out of big mac sauce oh i could get a monkey to do this job no you can't Mm -hmm. no you can't do you know how often monkeys rip off people's faces you want a face sandwich is that what you want because i don't i've licked way too many faces to know that they're not that tasty Back to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, seriously, though. Like, if they're, like... I mean, if you're if you're that upset over some fucking Big Mac sauce, yeah. then how important is it really, then? Yeah. Right? Like, it's freaking necessary. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I should preface, like, I'm, I'm also a person that's not living with HIV, but I'm at high risk. So, like, mm-hmm. I can't speak for folks living with HIV. So, like, if you um, interview other folks, they might have other, like, really specific or, like, really more apt answers to this. I'm looking uh, at this more from, like, my perspective as a a social work practitioner and what I'm seeing, like, folks on the other side of the table from me, like, report what their big issues are. And so things that just come up frequently is, like, housing pieces is um, just really needing to help folks stabilize housing any which way that we can. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, for the particular folks that I work with that are impacted by incarceration, um, tell me how someone is supposed to get a house when they have a felony on their record. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. Yeah, like, seriously. How is somebody supposed to get a house after they've just been released from jail or prison? Yeah, no shit. And then it's like, okay, so, like, let's say I go to jail, 
and I'm in there for a couple of weeks and I'm like, oh shit, well now I don't have a job. I missed paying rent and now mm -hmm. I'm having eviction on my record. Yeah. How am I going to get a house now that I have all of that? Hey. Like this is how like disruptive these fucking systems are that it's like one touch from being incarcerated and it fucks your entire life. Exactly. Exactly. Which actually leads us into the next part of this here interview. Tell me about the project you're most passionate about at this moment. Ooh. Okay, so the project I'm most passionate about is... Okay, this might not sound like the most exciting thing, but it's really exciting <laughs> for me who's been, like, if really... it's exciting like... <laughs> to you, it's exciting to me. Oh, Linda, you're so yes. sweet. <laughs> yes, we're gonna, we're gonna put this, uh, this interview on the refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> cute. I'll sign it in crayon. Thanks. Um... <laughs> Goldenrod yellow. Yeah. Um, Someday. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, really passionate about making sure that folks that are living with HIV that have been impacted by incarceration are able to thoroughly engage in HIV care and have all those needs met. Oh. Because what we see right now is folks that are like living with HIV that enter jail or prison have significantly lower outcomes as far as like HIV related health care. Mm. So folks typically have less access to their medication, have more difficulties taking their medications, and therefore having less less opportunities to become undetectable, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when our viral load isn't managed well, that also means that havoc is wreaking on our body because yeah. of the virus. So folks have other poorer health outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, what we see is um, the standard of care is someone goes into jail or prison, they get somebody that's like, okay, you're about to be released. You know, maybe here's like a sheet of paper um, of where you're going to go. Here's some resources um, and see ya. And we're going to drop you somewhere. Oh, sounds um, fun. Super fun, right? That's what they used to do when I worked for Kirby. <laughs> they would just like take you like to an area and drop you off and be like, sell a vacuum. Literally, we're not going to pick you up until you sell a vacuum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Yeah. I mean, if it was like sucking in another way, that'd be like <laughs> other opportunity they actually did that yeah oh there was a tube oh yeah i didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah. i even had a kirby vacuum and i didn't know that yeah yeah i mean like all you have to do is like you go and you connect the tube to the uh to the kirby and then you can suck a whole bunch of things with there too i mean it might not be safe probably isn't safe i wouldn't suggest it hmm. but Harm reduction, give it a shot just be fully informed of what you're doing and you <laughs> bought it so <laughs> so hmm. Um, I know what I'm going to do on Saturday. Mm, I uh, would have suggested. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you want to go to work on Monday. Uh, uh, I work on Monday, so it works perfectly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it's it's just freaking ridiculous. And I, I will say it's it's different in Washington State. There is a big difference for my folks that I'm released from prison than released from jail. Mm -hmm. So prison-wise, folks get comparatively like really good support on their way out hmm. um, and back into the community. And so they have folks that are really invested in making sure like they have housing options. And typically just because of like the stigma of having like, you know, a felony record or any kind of record or anything like that, just like prevents them from having housing. So I see a lot of folks, you know, unfortunately happen to be stuck in like a transitional housing piece or something like that. Um, but they get more support than my folks that are in jail where it's like, oh, you walk out the doors with maybe what you came in with mm. and that's it and i've had folks that you know they they get transferred to another jail and released in a county that they're not familiar with with no support to get home so it's like 
That's pretty ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. And um, there's been a ton of like interventions really aimed to get people back into care. So the recommendation is when someone's releasing from jail or prison to get them an appointment and get them, you know, connected to community services within two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, that's not working. It's not because you're out of jail for two weeks with nothing. How are you supposed to call somebody? How yeah. are you supposed to do anything? Where are you supposed to go? What are you supposed to eat? What are you supposed to wear? Are you are you just coming out in your prison oranges? Literally that. So my my goal and my project that um, I'm really invested in is to get back into partnering with our local jail mm -hmm. and. Um, Making sure that our folks who are living with HIV that are in there get connection to a social worker and community resources as soon as they enter. Okay. Because there's a lot of folks that have never been connected to social work services that are living with HIV and that could potentially use those resources mm. and they deserve those resources yeah. that are available to them. So trying to get notified as soon as possible and then following those folks and supporting those folks their entire time that they've been inside. Um, so that, I mean, it's, it's hard to build trust with anybody, right? But it's like, oh, you're just going to be a stranger from the outside. I don't know you. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like you want to build like a good relationship with folks and provide folks with that support so that when they're outside, they have a name. They're like, oh, okay. Um, I know like if, if I need something to eat, I can go talk to Alex, mm -hmm. you know? and those kind of things. And so just making sure that folks have that support the moment they're in, continuing all the way until they're out. Okay, great. How long have you been working on this? So I've been in doing this particular work for uh, going on 10 years here soon. And I've been focused on this program piece for probably the last six years. Oh, Pandemic. Wow absolutely like just trashed everything part of being like everything shut down mm -hmm. a lot of facilities are just now starting to let people in yeah it's kind of going all the way back to like step one of like okay now we got to reconnect with like a whole new team a whole new people to like get back in so yeah. getting up and running um, is correspondence difficult yes and no mm -hmm. so i would say like if i'm working with people that are Facility staff, absolutely difficult. <laughs> um, bureaucracy is a whole shit storm. That, that's the biggest barrier is to try to get kind of like a priorities to, to line up mm -hmm. um, and to find that like mutual agreement partnership. That makes sense. Yeah. But it, one thing that I think has come out recently is there's actually more opportunity to connect with folks that are inside. Oh, like the mailing services and whatnot, JPay and yeah, Securus. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Like, those, they're great, but it's such a freaking... It's a, it's a racket. It's such a racket. It is complicated. Yeah. To, like, get it set up. Like, I got denied, like, three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got mine set up. <laughs> yeah, I just got mine set up to talk to a friend of mine who's incarcerated. You have to pay to mail to them. And you also have to pay for to mail back. And they have, like, a whole bunch of, like, different, like, services that you also need to pay for, like, one by one. And it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And it's like, and then to expect somebody to like be able to pay for that when they're on the inside too. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of like the, the program piece that I really want to do is to help provide like financial support for folks who are inside. Yeah. So like, because there's people that won't have any money on their books to mm -hmm. like make a phone call mm -hmm. and like, holy shit, how isolating is it to be in and not have any connection to anybody? You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. So like, I would love to put some money on like folks' books so that they can make the choices that they need to make to connect mm -hmm. with folks. Yeah. What would you say are uh, some misconceptions about incarceration? 
that it has anything to do with justice, it, it, it doesn't. And it impacts everybody so negatively in multiple ways. And I think, like, I always hear, like, oh, well, like, we need incarceration to reduce violent crime. But what we really, what this research shows and, like, what, like, statistics show is that it doesn't help reduce violent crime. Mm. It really is there to protect, like, property and capital. So people mm. that are heavily involved in uh, or that are like incarcerated not always for violent crime no um, and very I'm, true very yeah. true very true i remember hearing about how kim kardashian had allegedly helped a woman get out of prison for her first ever like weed crime and whatnot mm -hmm. and i think it wasn't even like her weed or something and yeah she had been in jail for years for something that is now legal mm -hmm. exactly like, like what was the point and we still have so many people that are sitting in there waiting for that justice, yeah. right? And then the, the other thing that like just pisses me off so bad is that like people assume that jail is rehabilitative, mm. right? Um, I went to a couple community meetings um, actually around homelessness where folks were really going off hard about how, oh, well, people that use drugs and people that have mental health stuff need to go to jail and they'll just get their shit together. And I was like, um, no, jail will fuck you over for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because, um, like, the moment you're touched by incarceration or impacted by... Sorry, I say touched. I'm like, touched by an angel. I, think about, I was thinking about that show, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Della Reese. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. Yeah. it's The moment you're impacted by it, it, it doesn't stop. You never stop serving your time. Yeah. Like, I work with um, folks that, like, have been out three, four years and still can't access housing or can't access like community resources or get a job because of like all the stigma and all the stuff and it's like yeah yeah i was watching this comedy special and this comedian went and did he had been out of jail for maybe like 10 or 20 years and i think he spent like 10 in there or something and he's doing pretty well for himself and he went and he did a show at a jail, um, you know, just like try to help, you know, cheer the, the, the folks up. And he was like having like this round table discussion with some inmates. And he was like, yeah, I still remember my, my, uh, my number. And the fact that you have not been there for 20 years and you can still remember like what this quote unquote arbitrary number, you know, is, is just shows the trauma that's involved in being incarcerated mm -hmm. and I feel like it also forces people to act a certain way because there's a certain jail culture that the people the jailers don't care about mm -hmm. that they actively you know are okay with it so well so, what do you think are some struggles that incarcerated queer people might face? Ooh, um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just the answer to everything. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I just keep getting pulled back to like statistics stuff. Sorry, this is where my brain has been going. That's but, okay. We'll take your statistics. Um, we when we talk about like when I think about like queer po folks, um being incarcerated it's interesting that um queer folks are about three times more likely um to be incarcerated than the general population really yeah that and is a number i did not know I, it's high right yeah and then 
on top of that, we're more likely to serve longer sentences. Hmm. So, yeah. Do you think that's homophobic? <laughs> I think it is fucking homophobic. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it, it, it sounds like a thing. Like, as an Afro-Americana, you know, being a part of a group that is more likely to be uh, jailed than the average person, being a queer African-American, uh, seems like that would, like, kick it up at a whole nother level. I'm surprised I ain't been in jail yet. Jeez. Like, literally, and it's interesting, too, when we're, when we're talking about, like, particularly, like, uh, black folks being incarcerated, um... There, it's um, depending on like what you're looking at. They say it's anywhere between like 3.8 and like 10.5 times um, more than the average population, which is interesting. So, where would you think Washington falls on that? Do you feel like it falls like closer to the 3.8 or the 10.5? I'd probably say the 10.5. It's closer to the 10.5. Yeah, just because like it's uh, there's a, a high number of lighter-skinned folks Mm -hmm. in the generalized area. And a lot of times, um, policing is more harsher on darker-skinned people um, and easier on people who are, uh, what is it, closer to whiteness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, damn. Yeah. That's rough. We think we're so progressive. Seriously. So progressive. So progressive. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> I, yeah, and it's like, and also like, you know, talking about like light skin privilege and things like that too, it's like when we, uh, same thing with like um, the way that folks are presenting like their queerness, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, the more like visibly queer or the more like essentially visible queer you are, like the more likely you're going to experience like some sort of violence That's or like very, very up, true. Like, Especially when you think of like um, like masculine women and things like that, like gonna receive a lot more violence mm-hmm. than somebody who might be more like feminine presenting, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 ridiculous. It is rough, and sadly, it is a a fact of our lives at this moment. Um, hopefully, we can change that. Like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this show is because I want people to understand that people are just people. And that even though we have like massive differences, you know, learning about people and maybe you'll be able to empathize more and then going past empathy, understand more. So, and again, we're not, you know, the end all be all here um, at any, on any topic other than our own experiences. So... Back to the interview! <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the damn thing, Lavenda. Thanks, I do what I can. I do what I can. It's serious. I, lo- I love that, though, because it's... Um, I th- It's so important to, like, hear other folks' side. Because, like, I... Honestly, like, um, if I hadn't had, like, folks around me that had been impacted by incarceration, like, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it, right? I would mm-hmm. probably, like, bought into the BS of, like, oh, well, you go to jail when you do something bad. Yeah. Like, and that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. majority of the time. Yeah. And... I think that's the other thing, too, if I could, like, encourage folks about anything, it's, like, really do that deep dive of, like, when you think of, like, incarceration or, or like, somebody doing something wrong, essentially, like, why does your brain go to that person needs to be punished versus, like, what can I do to help this not happen again? Mm. Like, those are different things, right? Like, how can I support somebody that, like, clearly has some needs that need to be met? regardless of what that is, versus, like, no, I don't like the way that they spoke to me. They're in jail now. Yeah. Like, mm -mm. And that comes to our final question 
of the interview. What are some ways we can support our incarcerated loved ones? Ooh, yeah. yeah. I think, like, well, you brought up, like, JPay and, like, Securus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, if folks have, like, that financial power to, like, absolutely, like, can't, like, support financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, like, isolation is such a huge deal, right? Very much so. Um, so, like, even if it's, like, I'm going to write a letter to be, like, hey, I'm thinking about you. Like, that's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. And, like, even better if you, like, um, so- something that I've done was um, if I had somebody in jail, like, just, like, you know, you could look at that roster and, and, like, see updates on, like, when that person might be released. So it's like, hey, I'll know to, like, be there, you know, or, like, um, be supportive around you, especially at that time that you're coming out. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know that, like, just from watching, like, different, like, uh, reality-esque, like, prison shows... Like, they're, the, the people there, they need somebody. Mm-hmm. They need somebody, or sadly, what ends up happening is they find somebody, and it's not somebody who necessarily cares for them as a person, but maybe them as a addition mm-hmm. to uh, their little organization that they already have. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that is the end of this interview. Um, Alex, I want to thank you for your time and for the work that you have done and the work that you are doing. Thank you for coming in and, you know, explaining to the listeners just a little bit about um, HIV and incarceration and, you know, the, the different hurdles that people with either of those situations going on in their life have to face. So, yeah, thanks. Well, thank you, Lavinda. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It has been a time and a half. And we will be back. Soon? Yeah, soon. Okay, bye! (laughs) And by bye, I mean, like, I'll see you in a little bit. (laughs) Things that bug me! So, there are a lot of phrases in our society that really, really irk me. And the one I'm gonna talk about today is the phrase, respect your elders. I do not believe that you should just respect somebody because I don't believe that you should show someone respect because of a title that they have. I believe that you should respect people because they are people. I've never shown a person who is older than me respect just because they are older than me. I've always showed them respect because they are a person and they deserve respect. And I, as a person, would also like to be treated with respect. Because the phrase, uh, respect your elders, to me, also implies the opposite which is disrespect the youth. And while that might seem or even be a false equivalency, that is how I interpreted it. And I believe everyone deserves respect. And I am going to respect my elders because they are people who deserve respect. I'm not going to not respect you because you're an elder. But I'm not going to respect you just because you are an elder. 
I feel like that goes hand in hand with people who use the phrase, you have to earn my respect. Um, Who are you that I have to do something to earn your respect? Why should I have to earn your respect? Shouldn't we just be respecting each other as people? Because that's what it would seem to me. You know, everyone seems to have their own idea of what a respectable person is instead of respecting someone because they are a person. And those are just some things that have been bugging me, you know? Things I had to get off my chest. Things that were heavy on my heart. And by things, I mean one thing. It's just one thing that's got me tripping. It's just one thing that's got me tripping. One thing. Okay. <laughs> As we all know, eyelashes, electronics, wigs, and space rental don't grow on trees. Yet. They're working on it. So, we need dollars. And cents to keep this going. And while I hate to put my cup out for change, here's my cup. Hopefully you're enjoying what we've put together so far and want more. If so, please drop some pennies in my cups labeled Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. You can Venmo me at hairbywainer Life H-A I-R B-Y-W-A-Y-N-R hyphen L-A-V-I-N-D-A-L-Y-F at Cash App Wayne Rouser W-A-Y-N-E R-O-W-S-E-R and PayPal Hair by Wayner W-A-Y-N-R H-A-R-B-Y-W-A-Y-N-R. In the subject, put lifelines. So I can use it for the show specifically. Upcoming events! In conjunction with the Tacoma Rainbow Center, I'm hosting a queer trivia night on March 23rd at Incline Cider House from 7 to 9. There will be four rounds, ten questions each, with one of those rounds being a round of name that tune an artist. You should come. (laughs) Well, kids, that's the show for today. I hope you enjoyed our interview and it got you thinking. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode coming out on Monday. You can check the RadioTacoma.org website to re-listen to the show and share the link. Remember to send any questions or suggestions for the show to LavendaLife at gmail.com. L-A-V-I-N-D-A-L-Y-F-E at gmail.com. All messages to the show can be as anonymous as a 2 a.m. sleepover if you'd like. Lastly, you can find me on any of the socials by Googling hashtag LavendaLife. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. 
All right. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And that's all for now, kids. Remember, Lavinda loves you.